Greetings, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And we're very happy to have today's special return guest with us. Introduce yourself, special return guest. Hello, I am the return guest, and my name is Joe Hennis. I am co-owner of toughpigs.com uh and i am super happy to be um to be asked back we're very happy to have you joe hennis from toughpigs.com how do we get that guy yeah yeah what a get a guy who has seen the muppet movie many times yes i have and i know this because i've probably seen it with you like five or six times at least um i i definitely feel like a lot of the um the times I've seen him in, in um, theaters or uh, like special screenings, like outdoor screenings and stuff like that, I feel like you and I have have made a point to go together. Yeah, yeah, that's that is, that is true, and it's always good that, with an audience. That seems like a thing we would do. Yeah, that's pretty cool that you guys live in the same town. Yeah, <laughs> you should move here. Yeah, you could too, man. What's stopping you? Just to watch the Muppet movie with you guys. <laughs> you know, you you joke, but that's a very uh, that's a totally valid reason for you to move to New York City. I think so. Uh, I've seen the Muppet movie. <laughs> Today, we're looking specifically at minutes 93 and 94 of the Muppet movie, in which Sweetums catches up to these guys and the credits begin to roll. And that's pretty much it. Um, we're, we're actually done with the action of the movie and we're into the final credits, which is why another reason it's appropriate to have Joe here, because uh, Joe, you were here with us for the opening credits. I was, and um, I'm so glad to be here for all of the uh, the reading portions, the parts that are just names on a screen. Yeah, because like I'm bored with all these like like talking frogs and bears and pigs and things. Is like I really what I want is a good book. <laughs> yes, well that's what you got. Um, and we so we continue from last week with the giant crowd of Muppets singing the final ooh uh, Rainbow Connection, and then Sweetums tears through the screen he says i just knew i'd catch up with you guys there's this moment where you see all the muppets in the screening room and initially they seem shocked and then when they realize that it's just their old pal sweetums they they're just like oh sweetums and everybody's happy they all cheer for him yeah and i think fozzy even goes like sweetums he does um, you know what though what i was thinking about today sweetums is in the movie like this isn't a documentary about their real life trip right it's a it's sort of approximately how it happened. Right. So Sweetums shot his scenes. The other Muppets knew he was on set. Like, he's just an actor in the movie. Yeah. They haven't really been chasing them. So is this just, like, part of the stunt? So well, I actually wrote down a couple of theories. Um, what's that? What, what, I said I wrote down a couple of theories of what may have happened. Uh, one, one of which is exactly that, that this was a stunt, which doesn't make much sense because most of the people in the theater also worked on, if not all worked on the movie. But look how excited they are to see Sweetums. Like maybe they were expecting the stunt the whole movie. Uh, but here, here's my, my real theory that I, that I'm, I'm going to stick with is that um, he, he's not chasing after them because he was left behind after working in Madman Moonies. This is a completely different time that he was left behind. <laughs> like he, they he, they were like working on the movie and they forgot to like put him back in the van 
So he's chasing after, like, this is like a thing that he's been, for the like past year, he's been constantly <laughs> being left behind by the Muppet troop and trying to catch up to them. And and this one just happens to coincide with the scene earlier in the movie that we already saw. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I like that theory. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a stunt just because the Muppet movie is over as far as the Muppets are concerned. So unless it's just like some kind of um, publicity stunt to tie in with this particular screening. Like a then, fun capper to the cast and crew screening. Yeah, like it's a, a special <laughs> a special bonus for the premiere. And like, tell your friends, go watch this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, they, I mean, I, you wouldn't expect Sweetums to burst through the screen at every screening. No, but I do think, I do like the idea that this is basically the rap party. And so it's just like part of the fun that Sweetums is busting through the screen. Sweetums <laughs> is busting out all over, if you will. Oh, so he's if actually he, like joking and he's in on the joke. Yeah. If, if only he was busting through a cake instead. I feel like That'd that would be, be a party thing. Like, I knew I'd catch up with you guys because I found myself in a bakery and they accidentally baked me into this cake. <laughs> okay, well, now I'm trying to think. Have there ever... There must have been some moment in Muppet history where a Muppet burst yeah. out of a cake. Yeah, uh, in the uh, Diane Cannon episode, doesn't Miss Piggy jump out of a cake yes. for Kermit's birthday? Kermit's bir- it's not even Kermit's birthday, but yes. There you I go. mean, his, his quote-unquote birthday? Yes. Uh, or no, that that's the Linda Lavin episode though. His or Linda Lavin, day. sorry, yep. Linda uh, Lavin. Yeah, you were I, right, season four. But I said it with such conviction. Yeah, I thought I, thought, yeah, I, I must have been right. I thought you <laughs> were remembering you something that I forgot. No, I meant I meant Linda Lavin. Birthday, you meant Floyd has to babysit Fufu. That's of course what that's what I meant. Yep. Um, well, anyway, my my other thought was that maybe when they shot those scenes at Madman Mooney's they actually forgot, like the cast and crew forgot to tell Sweetums that they were done shooting and that his scenes were over. And they actually just left him behind on that location. And he's been trying to figure out where they are ever since. But so, he's in the movie. He's at the Bogan County Fair. Like he was on the set for those shots. Oh, well, that's he was true. On, he was on set as a camera caught him <laughs> making a comment about being left behind, but they, but still like continued to be left behind. So the question is how much time do we think has passed between when they film that scene and when they're having the screening. Because that, well, that may have been how long Sweetums has been literally running across the country. Yeah, I don't know how we can know, really. Yeah, I mean, it, well, yeah, we don't know. Because, yeah, it's all it's all a recreation. So there's no there's no time markers for anything, really. That's and true. There, there is a, a child character in the audience, Robin, but it's not like he grows up, so we can't use his age as a, a marker, so... There's not like a calendar on the wall with pages tearing so off useful. in the wind. Uh, but we don't have that. Uh, but we do have a jazzy arrangement of Can You Picture That playing. Oh, uh, wait. Before before we get to that, I actually want to yeah. back up a few seconds. Um, so the first thing that we actually see in this clip before Sweetums busts through the, uh, through the, the screen um, is the words The End on, uh, on the screen. And I actually really love the font that they use. And um, I don't know if you guys knew this about me. I love fonts. I'm a big, big fan of fonts. You want to know what's awesome, Joe? Um, what, was, what was that? You want to know what's awesome? Tell me. You talked about your love of fonts when the opening titles, The Muppet Movie, appeared on the screen. I totally did, because I love that font. So here's the thing. When we, when we watched the opening titles of The Muppet Movie, I tried to figure out what the font was, and I couldn't do it. Uh, and I, I honestly don't remember if it's the same font, but I figured it out with this one. So I know I know what the font that they used for the end is, and it's called Olympic, 
and it's spelled O-L-Y-M-P-I-K. Mm. So if you if you are like me and you really like fonts, then maybe you could go download that font and you could use it and you can put it on a screen and then you can have Sweetums jump through it. Yeah, if you have a link, I will include that when we post this on the website. Um, I I will look for one. And so, do you know? Was it used in other movies or other, it's? It seems oh, so seventies. That, that's a good question. I I, I haven't um, I haven't looked to see if there's like a page where people are uh, like talking about the history of the Olympic font. Um, I'm, I'm googling it at this moment, and I'm, I'm you know in the two seconds I'm looking, I'm not seeing anything, but. I'm sure it was used for something else. It seems else. like yeah. it would be on the cover of a book about disco or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or a book about the Muppet movie. Well, yeah. That would <laughs> or, be great. Or, or a book about the electric company. Yes. Yeah. And, and the other thing that um, I was kind of curious about with this, this, these, these seconds that we're watching is um, how much money Sweden's probably uh, ruined by, or, or had the, the, the Muppets had to spend uh, after he busts through the, the uh, the screen. Mm. Um, so I looked up to see how much a movie screen, like a like a on the cheaper side, a uh, movie screen would cost. Like if you're going to do your own home projector thing, uh, about that size. I kind of eyeballed it, and uh, I found out that a 193 uh, inch screen, which is about 16 feet uh, diagonally, uh, would cost about thirty five hundred dollars. So for that one joke, uh, or or whatever it was, that you, uh, if you depending on if it's in universe or not, uh, Sweetums just uh, you know added a thirty five hundred dollar bill to Kermit. Wow! Yeah, think about I, that. Yeah, I'm looking based on Sweetums' height, trying to see if I could estimate <laughs> the size of this screen, but I don't know. Like maybe, yeah. uh, maybe like I, mean, nine, I, I was guessing, or... yeah, nine or ten feet tall, between fifteen and twenty feet wide. So Something like, I, like the one I actually looked up was a little smaller than that, but it's kind of hard to find information on actual movie screens I've, I've learned you would probably have to have access to some kind of catalog or like inside source yeah but yeah when you're making a movie like the muppet movie you can just uh, have a, a giant uh, puppet monster break right through it exactly you would also like need you know um to care about such things which <laughs> so few of us do <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so anything else about sweetums before we move on uh he's pretty great yeah he's pretty big He's a nice boy. He's good sweet. Old, good old Sweetums. So uh, this jazzy arrangement of Can You Picture That? I, I like this a lot. And this is actually the third um, version of Can You Picture That? that we've heard because we heard the one that the Electric Mayhem sang and then we heard the instrumental version uh, in the campfire scene. Yeah, I, I love this arrangement as well. And it, it makes me a little sad that um, I know you guys talked earlier about how the musical arrangement of... Um, uh, hope that something better comes along is the only one that shows up in the soundtrack where there, whereas there are others throughout the movie. Oh, no, never before. Never again is on the soundtrack too. Oh, that's true. Yes. Thank you. I, I wasn't thinking that, but that, this is one where it's like, I would have loved to have an MP3 version of this. Um, and I actually do on, on that. I've recorded myself off the movie, but it's not the same. Cause you can hear like the dialogue of the characters in the background. Yeah. Um, but I also really love the way it starts. I had that. Like, yeah. <laughs> bust through that thing and you hear Fozzie goes sweetums then it goes boom 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 it's a great yeah, start i think that's the trombone announcing that like here yeah that's that's it here we go with the credits yeah i, I actually wrote up wrote on my notes brap i wrote we anthony how would you how would you say it yeah 
<laughs> I actually didn't make any note of it, so I guess I'll just say, That's good. <laughs> so everyone out there, uh, be sure to leave us your spelling of the trombone sound in the comments. Uh, I like that all these uh, Muppet characters are, are just, like, they seem to be congratulating themselves. They're very happy about the movie that they just watched, including the ones who weren't even in it, like Blue Zealand and Marvin Suggs, although I'm very glad that they're both there. And well, Nigel. didn't they... They said at the beginning of the film, uh, you know, the Kermit's like thanking all the people, like the makeup people and, and the little people who helped and all that. So I assume that they all worked on the movie. It's in some facet, just not in front of the, com- the camera. Yeah, we speculated about that during the magic store scene, whether some of them might have just been on the crew. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'll, yeah, I'll assume that Marvin Suggs had a very important role to play on the crew. What do you think Marvin Suggs did uh, for the movie? Um, he's probably a carpenter, so he could hit things with his mallet. Oh, yeah. You guys, Marvin Suggs arranged the musical score. Oh. <laughs> I didn't hear a lot of, uh, little voices going, ow, ow, ow. In the no, that's what score. that noise was. That oh. was, he just, he just squoze a muppaphone really hard and went, Bram! That poor thing. He died, actually. <laughs> Worth it, though, for the art. Killed the muppaphone. We yeah. saw Beaker die on screen. Falling from the rainbow and also <laughs> there's so much tragedy in this film. Sacrifices had to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we, we go through the uh, the main Muppet performer credits. It's nice to see them each credited with all their characters. Can I, can I make a couple complaints about that? Yeah, sure. Complain away. Uh, Jim Henson is credited as Kermit, Rolf, Dr. Teeth, and Waldorf, but not the Swedish chef who has lines. Oh, that's ah. interesting. And Jerry Nelson is credited as Floyd, Crazy Harry, Robin, and New Zealand, but not Camilla, who probably yeah. has the most screen time of any of his characters. That's right. super interesting. That definitely seems wrong because nobody else is credited as Camilla. And yeah, I mean, he's that's <laughs> she's pretty much his main character in the movie. Right. So it's very, I mean, every like the, the only Frank Oz character who isn't listed is Marvin Suggs, who like makes a noise at the beginning. So that that, that one, I guess. Right. But the Swedish chef and Camilla seem like very notable omissions. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah, know. that seems wrong somehow. I wonder I wonder where that oversight happened. Um, I, I also find it kind of interesting, and by kind of, I really do mean kind of, um, that like like what names they chose, or how, I'm sorry, how they how they chose like the phrasing of the names. So like, for example, Jim Henson is credited as Kermit the Frog, but not Rolf the Dog, just Rolf. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah but, like, like, I wonder how they chose, you know. I if I think that's because on Sesame Street, he's Kermit the Frog hosting Sesame Street News Flash, right? Yeah. But on the Jimmy Dean show, he's just Jimmy Dean's old buddy, Rolf. Well, that makes sense. So they, those uh, just kind of solidified into their their professional yeah. names. Yeah, I, I kind of think so. Hmm. Um, but then, you know, moving on, like like Frank Oz. Well, first of all, I, I, I noticed Frank is credited as Sam the Eagle, and I know a lot of people like to say Sam Eagle. I do not. I like to say Sam the Eagle. So I, I'm glad to see that that's how they credited him there. I prefer Sam the Eagle also, but aren't there some official sources in recent years that just say Sam Eagle? Yeah, he's definitely gone back and forth. I've always meant to try to do like a, a research project on that, and maybe I didn't care so much to actually <laughs> do it. Um, but then I see Jerry Nelson is Floyd Pepper, not just Floyd and not Sergeant Floyd Pepper. They kind of found a, you know, a middle ground in between. Yeah. Um, Dave Goals is credited as the great Gonzo as opposed to Gonzo the great. 
That's another one. I, I'm very much in favor of the great Gonzo over Gonzo the Great. But he's also credited as Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Yep, that, I was just going to say that too. Not okay. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew PhD. Yeah. <laughs> or just Bunsen. Yeah. Or just uh-huh. Melonhead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just interesting. Like, I mean, you know, I don't know what it, what any of it means, but uh, obviously someone had to put a little bit of thought into that of how these characters are going to be credited. Yeah, somebody decided that this is how they were going to be listed. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we have... Uh, and Charles Durning as Doc Hopper. I guess that and credit is uh, is something of a like, like that kind of thing is usually a contract negotiation kind of thing, right? Where um, it doesn't it, just it say is, Charles Durning. I, I was wondering if if that was true, which is it's likely that's what the case is. But it also seems to be like the and might be the divider between the Muppet characters and the human characters. So it's like here's all of our stars. It's Kermit and Piggy and Fozzie and Gonzo. And here's all of our human stars. Yeah, right. Because the next one is Austin Pendleton as Max. Yep. Uh, and then we have oh well, yeah. Then I guess those they're really the the main human characters, other than the cameos. Yeah, that's pretty much it for like the stars of the film. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else specific until we get into some of the the smaller human roles that are credited. Did you guys have anything in between? No. Uh, no, I, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of thoughts about like, for example, the special guest stars, but at the same time, you guys just did, you know, 40 some episodes of a podcast about them. So, you know, yeah, all my thoughts already, are probably in there somewhere. Yeah. We already talked about Richard Pryor and stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, when Ryan, when you said you had thoughts about some of the smaller guests you're talking about the like the, the featuring the human actors where they're credited as featuring yes yeah 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 i mean go ahead i i have a few thoughts on that as well but please okay um so we talked about this before but uh scott walker is credited as frog killer even though his character has a name snake walker and he's which, not the governor of wisconsin as far as we know <laughs> i mean um, is he he could be now i don't know who the governor of wisconsin is scott walker is the governor of wisconsin yeah. <laughs> all right well there you go and he's a frog killer Yep. Oh no! Somebody impeach him. Unless That's they have a maybe they have a frog problem in Wisconsin. Maybe that's why they hired him, or they, yeah. they elected him. Yeah, maybe that was what he ran on. I'm going to get yeah. rid of the frogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then a lot of these other people who are credited are from the El Slizo scene, which is I just find find mildly interesting. There's the sailor, the bartender, the lumberjack, the one-eyed midget. Yeah, so the one-eyed midget. Um, I'm I'm curious. Wasn't there? A, you'll remember better than me, Ryan, because um, you have uh, access to that old script. But wasn't that one of the jokes that was cut from Fozzie's routine about like yeah. the sailor who was too fa- who was so fat and all that? Yeah, so it was actually the sailor and then the lumberjack and then it was like a one-eyed donkey-eared midget. Yeah, so and I, all of those three like, people were in the audience, right? Well, and- so even though these guys don't have lines in the movie. They were still in, in an earlier cut, I guess. According to the wiki, those scenes were shot. Yeah, that's what I assumed because of yeah. because of this this credit scene. And there yeah. is a there is a, a short actor in the scene, but I I mean I, I can't really tell if he if he's one eyed or he an and he definitely doesn't look like he has donkey ears. No, but he has an eye patch on and he has green hair. Oh, okay. Oh, that was the other. So it was a green-haired, one-eyed, donkey-eared. Yeah. If midget. you look up, if you look up Tommy Madden on Muppet Wiki, there's a photo of him, very clear. Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, they, yeah, so they must have shot those. 
I'm, I'm going to the Muppet Wiki right now. That's why there's a little bit of silence. I think we're all clicking. So can I bring up another one of the these featured humans? Yes. Uh, Bruce Kirby, who plays the gate guard. This is the guard who welcomes Statler and Walter for the beginning of the movie. That is actually the father of Bruno Kirby. Uh, we, we all know yeah. Bruno Kirby, character actor from When Harry Met Sally and yeah. Spinal Tap and ah. No way. Yeah, yeah, for real. That's awesome. That's um, I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, so actually, if you go watch Godfather 2, one of Bruno Kirby's hit movies, where he plays young Clemenza, he's credited as Bruce Kirby Jr. in that film. Wow. So is his character the son of the gate guard from this movie? <laughs> yes. So so I'm seeing here that the, the lumberjack is played by a guy named H.B. Haggerty. Uh, was he Julie Haggerty's dad? Actually, he was H.B. Lovecraft's dad. H.B. Wow. Lovecraft's dad. So yes, is what you're saying. So that means that everyone who uh, was in the um, El Slizo scene uh, eventually had a kid who was super famous. Apparently. Yes. Yeah. I love, I love the idea that Bruno Kirby and Julie Haggerty are super famous. They're so super famous. <laughs> well, they're famous I'm sorry, to were, us. were you in Airplane 2? I was I was not. Although was Bruce was Bruno Kirby because it wouldn't surprise me if he was. You know, I haven't seen Airplane 2 in a long time, so uh, yes, I'm just gonna say yes. I'm gonna say it with conviction. That's and, how I get. That's how I get through things. And meanwhile, looking at Tommy Madden on Muppet Wiki, he does have green hair, which I never noticed before. I um, I think I always assumed that it was a bandana. I don't think I. I think it was... I assumed that too. Yeah. Anything Neat. else about the featuring actors? Um, nope. All right, then we move on to with Muppet performers, and there's a whole list of, I should have counted how many, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 Muppet performers. I I don't have detailed notes for all of these, but I have one or two uh, notes on each one. All right, go for it. So Steve Whitmire and Catherine Mullen, I think we've probably already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Whitmire, of course, uh, was, you know, he later became one of the core Muppet performers and eventually played uh, Rizzo and took over Kermit the Frog for several years. He was Wembley on Fraggle Rock. And uh, Catherine Mullen was on the later seasons of The Muppet Show. She was on Sesame Street for a couple seasons. And then she played uh, Moki and Cotterpen and various other characters on Fraggle Rock. So they both ended up having significant roles in future Muppet productions. The rest of these guys, not quite as much. Uh, so Bob Payne was an old puppeteer friend of Jim Henson who uh, worked with the Muppets periodically going as far back as the days of Sam and Friends. Well, it was always weird to me that Bob Payne kind of hung around for like 20 years and never really played any characters. I mean, ha- hardly did any speaking parts at all. Yeah, he, he like, kind of shows up. It just seems like every once in a while. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just weird because you think that someone who was around that early and then kept working with them would have become one of the main performers or something. And instead, he's just this footnote, but he's a footnote that pops up repeatedly. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I have to, I have to assume that like not everyone who ever worked with Jim Henson decided they wanted to be like one of you know this team of of you know a group of humans like some of them probably were like i kind of want to go and do my own thing so yeah he may have had his own gig and he just did muppets uh when he when jem needed him or when he had time yeah that's that's yeah yeah Uh, so then we have aaron osker who was one of the the main cast of muppet performers on the first season of the muppet show 
where she played Hilda, the wardrobe mistress, and she was the original performer of Janice before Richard Hunt took over in the second season. I don't know why she didn't stick with the Muppet Show. Do you guys know anything about that? I don't, but I'm I'm like really uh, amazed and impressed to see that like you know obviously she left the Muppet Show probably you know the beginning of 1977, and then like a year later, uh, I guess a year year and a half later. Jim was like, come on back and hang out with us for this movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and she also uh, worked on Emmett Otter in between. So, Oh, well, there I, you go. Yeah, I mean, I guess they must have liked her as a puppeteer. But maybe, again, it was maybe it was just her availability or she was working on other things. I, I also wonder, um, you know, since this movie, uh, you guys probably know, was it filmed all uh, mostly in California? Mm-hmm, mostly. Mostly. So, yeah. like, this was, at the time... Um, unless I'm, I'm completely mistaken, like this is kind of a new location for Jim Henson at this time because they were filming the Muppet Show in London and huh. he did a lot of earlier work in New York. So I wonder if location was a big part of this where it's like, who do we know in L.A.? And yeah, that, well, Bob Payne and Oscar out here are, I don't know, whoever. Yeah, that's a good theory. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Carolee Wilcox was primarily a puppet builder, but she it seems like she was a performer for a period of a few years, uh, but then mostly she was a puppet builder. She was the supervisor of the Muppet Workshop for several years. Uh, Olga Felgemacher. What a name. Yes, great name. <laughs> she worked with uh, the the veteran puppeteer Bill Baird uh, before working on Sesame Street during the 10th season, performing so that's various... The, so that's the same year as this. Like that would have been um, the thing where they shot this movie. Yes, yeah, that does that lines up. And she later created the Flexitune puppets, which were featured on Shining Time Station on PBS. Ooh. So the puppets on that show that were not Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, I always liked those those little. They lived in a jukebox. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, yeah that's familiar. Or yeah. did she build uh, Ringo Starr? She did. Wow. And then and then she redesigned him into George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> they they got to keep the beard, but they had to redesign the rest of the character. You know, they, it's the original beard. Yeah. It's like Oscar the Grouch's eyebrow. And now it's in the Smithsonian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, she also created uh, marionette characters for Pinwheel on Nickelodeon. I loved Pinwheel when I was a kid. Yeah, Pinwheel, I, I feel like it, it was obviously never as good as Sesame Street, but it was it was fun to see more puppets on TV. Yeah. Then we have Bruce Schwartz. He was a featured. Yes, he was a featured guest on an episode of the Muppet Show. Oh, well, is that is that another Muppet Show guest star that you guys didn't count? You guys, Bruce Schwartz was in Cleo Lane and Senior Wences. That's right. Oh, two episodes of the Muppet Show. Okay, but then. like you you were saying before, like Anthony, you were counting uh, the Muppet Show guest stars. And uh, that does count. that count as one? Well, I guess ten because he does because Kermit says him in the opening credits at least on Senior Wences. Oh, really? Yeah. He says Senior Wences and Bruce Schwartz. Senior Wester, Senior Wences featuring Bruce Schwartz or something like that. Oh, I did not remember that. That's really cool. Good for Bruce Schwartz. So maybe ten. We're gonna have to go back and, and edit all the uh, previous episodes now. Oh no! Special edition. Yes. Uh, so, and, and he did the, uh, like the Bunraku style puppetry. Um, he was also featured on Jim Henson's world of puppetry, uh, documentary series and the here come the puppets TV special. 
That brings us to Michael Davis, who I am relatively certain is the same person as Michael Earl Davis. And he's not the guy who wrote the Street Gang uh, uh, book? Yeah, it's an interesting coincidence. uh, Because Michael Davis slash Michael Earl Davis uh, worked on Sesame Street for a few seasons in like the early 80s. Uh, He even took over Mr. Snuffleupagus for a while. And then the other Michael Davis wrote a book about Sesame Street, but he did not puppeteer for this movie. So the next name is Buzz Sirachi or or Sirasi. How would you pronounce that? I wouldn't. <laughs> I pronounce it, I pronounce it Buzz the Wharf Rat. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Deep cut Muppet Beach Party. Muppet Beach Party Surfing by Buzz the Wharf Rat and the Wharf Rats. Uh, Buzz Sirachi. There is very little on Muppet Wiki about Buzz. It just says, from 1980 to 1981, he performed in the original touring cast of the first Sesame Street live show, A Sesame Street Mystery, The Case of the Missing Rara Avis. Mm. Sirachi played the stage puppet version of Oscar the Grouch and also wore a suit as a constable in the New York City Department of Missing Birds. Um, And that's all. I have I have one more fact about Buzz Sirachi. Please, uh, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible thing to say about Buzz Sirachi's girlfriend. No, that's not about Buzz Sirachi. It's about his girlfriend. <laughs> okay. Woof. Well, I don't know who you know where he came from, or if he did any other work with. The from Muppets. the wharf, Ryan. Okay. But Buzz Sirachi, if you're out there, please give us a call. And if you are out there, I'm sorry I made fun of your girlfriend. Apologize for everything. (laughs) Tony Basilicato. Uh, Again, not a lot of information about this guy. Muppet Wiki says, once a background performer on the Muppet movie, Tony Basilicato now focuses his effort on writing children's books. Which kind of sounds like he might have made that edit himself. But, but Ryan, you forgot to say the names of the two books that are listed on Muppet Wiki because they're both amazing. Oh, what are they? Prime Slime Tales and Buzz and Flutter's Big Electronic Game Book. Wow. Wait a minute. Buzz and Flutter? Yeah, Buzz from, from uh, Buzz Sirachi, the same guy. Wow, that's amazing that he worked with him so briefly on the Muppet Wait, movie. Wait, is wrote Flutter his book. girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, Flutter. it's Grandma Flutter. It's Grandma from Bear in the Big Blue House. Amazing. Dear Grandma. It's a great song. <laughs> Do you think anyone's still listening at this point? Nobody is listening to this. We are taking forever to get through these names. Great. There's only we one got, more. Let's just we have one up. more name on the with Muppet performers. Adam Hunt. That's Richard Hunt's brother. That's, All right. that's Scooter from Muppets from Space. Yes, exactly. T-shirts. Yes, he provided the voice of Scooter in Muppets from Space. He... I don't think puppeteered in that movie. I think he looped his voice over another puppeteer uh, doing Scooter. But uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's just so interesting to me that some of these people were either important enough or their their contribution to this movie was significant enough to warrant these credits. But they don't seem to have worked with the Muppets any other time or, or very few other times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that... <laughs> Brings us to the next credit, which I think is, yes, and Carol Spinney as Big Bird. And his name is misspelled. I was going to say, it's it's one R, two L's, right? Yeah, it's one R, two L's. I think, but did I think. it change at some point? Because I know I've seen a few other sources. It's, 
been misspelled in many places, from what I understand. You would think this movie would get it right, though, wouldn't you? They've gotten so much else right. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems strange, but or um, maybe some maybe it was someone else who played Big Bird. Maybe it was Carol Spinney. Whoa, it's his doppelganger. Yeah, there's a Carol. remarkably similar name. Yeah. So we have music scored and adapted by Paul Williams. We talked about that uh, in an earlier episode. He wrote the uh, the little instrumental pieces that we hear. Um, arranged and conducted by Ian Freebairn Smith. Uh, this guy, just to briefly go over some of his credits, according to Wikipedia, he worked with the four freshmen, um, Muppet Show guest stars, Liza Minnelli and Andy Williams, Harry Nilsson, uh, Jeff Beck, and various others, and he won a Grammy Award for working with Barbra Streisand. So that's quite a career. And if you look at his IMDb, he also did the scores for a lot of 80s TV shows, like Magnum P.I. and Airwolf. Yeah, so that, that's a, a, a very, like he worked with Muppets and he worked with Helicopters. That's right. And, and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> um, Muppet designers. I don't think we need to go over all of those names, but obviously all these people did a great job. Uh, I, I, w- I wanted to try to see if like, if any of these people were still working as Muppet designers and like some of them are obviously still working with the Muppets. Like Dave Goals is in there. Um, Kathy Mullen, who maybe not, I don't know if she's working with the Muppets or not, but she's still uh, uh, active. Uh, Bonnie Erickson uh, still does a lot of work with the Henson Legacy. Yeah. Um, I also noticed that uh, Wendy Meidner is on there, who became Wendy Froud. Yep. Uh, that was pretty cool. To, I didn't realize that she was with, uh, uh, with the Muppets at this point in her career. Well, but keep in mind, Joe, they were already working on The Dark Crystal at this time. Oh, that's true. Pre- like, pre-production on The Dark Crystal started in, like, 1977. And I think she was, like, one of the early people to come on board. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah, pretty neat. Doing both. I mean, she could have like helped out with this movie because she was doing Dark Crystal costume designs or whatever it was. Yeah, we don't really think of this existing at the same time as the Dark Crystal, but they overlapped. Yeah. Um, I noticed Amy Van Gilder gets a separate credit and Amy Van Gilder. I don't know what warranted that, but good for her. We see on the next screen that she's one of the workshop coordinators along with John Lovelady. John Lovelady, but he's not even listed on this Muppet designer page. Right. So, yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't know. Uh, Can I say a couple of fun facts about a couple of the other people we see credited here? Yes. From my research, real quick. Yep. Um, So the second assistant director is a person named Penny Adams Flowers. I like that name. That's a great name, Penny Flowers. It sounds very British. Yeah. Yeah. But also, she went on to have a very long and successful career in TV. She was a producer and an assistant director on... Shows including Hill Street Blues, ER, and Reno 911. And she was also the production manager on a show called South of Sunset, which is the detective show starring Glenn Fry, like Glenn Fry of Eagles fame. Whoa. That that ran for one episode in 1993 (laughs) on CBS. Really? Yeah. Have you seen that episode? I have not seen it. Mm, We got to hunt that down. Uh, And then uh, the other one that I thought was very interesting is the script supervisor... Ula Bourne. Uh, There's some great names in this thing. Yeah, so she did some other movies, including Steven Spielberg's The Sugarland Express and Somewhere in Time, which I know is a favorite of your wife's. Mm. Yeah. yeah, she loves that in that movie, like a lot. Like series, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, she mostly worked in TV, Ula Bourne did. She was the script supervisor on Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, and Green Acres. And 30 years later, she was the script supervisor on Baywatch. Yeah, uh, Baywatch. Which... on Baywatch? 
<laughs> yeah. script. It was the same script every week. <laughs> uh, Baywatch, which was the after the Jim Henson hour got canceled, that was the next regular series to be scheduled in that time slot on NBC. Ah. And don't forget that it also replaced the Muppet Show as the program syndicated to the most countries in the world. Yeah, that's true. Well, Baywatch yeah. and the Muppets have all kinds of connections, including the script supervisor. <laughs> Miss Piggy and Kermit could not uh, could not overcome the the appeal of David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson. Well, and then someone's gonna gonna get upset with us if we don't mention Bay of Pigs watch from Muppets tonight. People get upset with us about leaving out stuff like that all the time. That's why I mentioned it. You know who you are. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> so that's Ola Bourne and Anthony. Thank you for telling us about the Ola Bourne identity. Dude, that's me. I'm the Ullaborn supremacy guy. You are. <laughs> Woof. I hate everything. This and is Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. If All I right. could remember the name of the other movie, I would make a joke about it now. Uh, it was Born Ultimatum. There you go. Uh, that's all I have. Oh, wait, nope. Sorry. I have one uh, thing from the, uh, the, the American Cinematographer magazine. Uh, uh, just a few... Um, things from Isidore Mankowski, the cinematographer, about this theater set. He said uh, the theater contained about 30 seats, each one of which had a hole cut in the center of it for the arm of a Muppeteer. Under the set, we had as many as 17 or 18 video monitors going at one time. The floor looked like a spaghetti factory with all the cables that were necessary. There were cables for the playback, cables for communication between the Muppet operators and the director, cables for the live recording onto tape, and cables for the video sound. It was probably one of the most complex recording jobs ever performed for a movie. So that's the kind of stuff that we never think about. But a lot of people put a lot of work into the things that are happening underneath what we see in this sequence. Yeah, for sure. That's impressive. And that's all I have. Uh, anything else from either of you? Um, I actually have, we, we spent so much time talking about the credits. I don't know if I really want to spend time on this, but um, I have a lot of notes about what the Muppets are. The other Muppets were in this, in this, these two minutes. So I hear. So like, there's a lot of things that they're doing and saying that I wanted to talk about, but we also, the, then, I mean, you know, if you guys want to save it for the next uh, episode. If you're, if you're about to talk about the thing where you can hear them talk, we we're doing that next. Oh, we're doing that in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. I think we can save that for next week. No, great. Just you guys didn't tell me that. <laughs> I was too busy talking about popovers. <laughs> well, we had to make sure we went through every person who ever worked on this movie. And, oh, I, uh, yeah. but, but I, now I, that people know we're going to talk about that next week, they have to come back, even though we're just going to be talking about credits again. Are we leaving this part in? Is everyone going to know that, that we're basically spoiling the next? Uh, I think uh, so. All right, cool. Well, then, then let me just add this. I had one more thing about one more name. There's Great. a guy somewhere in there, and I'm looking for his credit right now, um, named, uh, here it is. The set decorator was Richard Goddard, and that is the same name as uh, the uh, weatherman from WJW, the Fox affiliate in Cleveland, uh, who worked, uh, worked, he was like the, like the weatherman in Cleveland for like my entire childhood. So... Dick Goddard worked on the Muppet movie and then he moved to Cleveland and started doing the, doing the news. Wow. Think about that one, folks. Uh, I I hope we hear from some of your fellow Clevelanders uh, in the comments on this one. Um, Yeah. They're going to tell me I'm wrong and it's some other guy, (laughs) which is more likely. Yeah. 
Great. Anthony, anything else? No, nothing. Okay, then with that, we will wrap things up until next week. Uh, listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and various other places. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. And Joe, where can people find you on the internet? I am on the internet, uh, mostly on the Tough Pigs social media channels, which uh, I totally recommend you follow all of them. Uh, but if you want to follow me, myself, and I, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Hennis. That's my name. That's his name. Don't wear it out. And if you have a minute, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever app you used to get this podcast. And tell all your friends about the show. And we will see you next week for more credits on another episode of Moving Right Along. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.